0: Section 13 of the Roosevelt-Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Roosevelt-Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission by Candido Rondon. Translated by R. G. Reedy and Edwin Murray. Second Lecture, Part Seven. But, taking into consideration the rapid justification above referred to, of the motives which carry us to recognize in the rivers corresponding to their former names, the quality of being an extension of the principal collector of the hydrographic basin of the biggest contributor on the right bank of the Madeira, it is clear that the new designation covers the whole of the river's course, up to the place where it loses itself in the waters of its majestic recipient. And so it must be, not only because we lent a just and well-earned homage to the eminent statesman, who did not disdain to bring the cooperation of his intelligence, courage, and his initiative to the efforts with which we continue the great work of the past, of discovering and conquering wild regions of the territory of our country, As also to avoid the geographical disorder which would result from the fact of giving different names to the consecutive stretches of one and the same river. With regard to the second reason, it is evident that there are not and cannot be any doubts or allegations capable of affecting it. Because either the entire course had to be called Duvida, a name of an occasional significance which arose from an incident too local. Or it would be castana, as was remembered by the Munduruku Indians, on account of the abundance of Brazil nuts, a common fact in this and many other rivers of the Amazon district. Or yet one would have to extend the denomination of the trunk by the western branch, taking it from the other to which it was already applied. Or finally, we would have to adopt the alternative, which we put into execution, of rejecting two names relatively recent and not yet much used, substituting them by another one highly expressive, easy to be made of common and current use by the person and the feat recorded, without forgetting, however, what came to us from the past, but only restraining the application of it to a part of its former dominions. Thus we remained with the river Roosevelt, without, however, losing the traditional Aripuana. With regard, however, to the justification of the new name with the fact which we alleged that the Roosevelt-Rondon expedition was the first to discover the course of the river which we had called Duvida, reconnoitering and surveying at the same time the courses of the formerly called Castana and Lower Aripuana, which only after the work of this expedition were able to be placed on the maps, certain contentions arose. Of all these I shall restrict myself to making a few observations in regard to that which was communicated to the Geographical Society of Lisbon, at their sitting of the 8th of March of the current year, by Mr. Ernesto de Vasconcellos, perpetual secretary of that society, and in so doing I wish to prove the consideration which we should dispense to that society, where the chronicles of the former Capitanias of Brazil are carefully kept. Mr. Vasconcelho's communication, entitled, With regard to the River of Doubt, A Propósito de Rio da Duvida, is published in a pamphlet printed in Lisbon under the title Investigaciones Geográficas, Geographical Investigations. On page 22 of this pamphlet, the author, resuming, according to the geographical journal, the lecture effected by Mr. Roosevelt in London on the sixteenth of June nineteen fourteen, said the following quote, before commencing to descend this river, we passed the headwaters of the river Abacaxis, pineapple, making preparations to descend same after having gone down the duvida. Because he thought that in three or four days it would flow into the Gai Parana. As this did not take place, as we saw, he said, And the Abacaxis was not descended, and no one knows its course. It is not mapped, and will not be until someone descends or ascends it. It is possible that it flows into the Tapajos or into the Canuma. It is more probable that it enters the Castana in latitude ten degrees fifty-eight minutes, as the river Cardoso, or which is more natural that it constitutes the headwaters of the Aripuana proper. End quote. This is the summary made by Mr. Vasconcellos of what he says he read in the English paper as being Mr. Roosevelt's conference, as it will be seen in this resume the name of the river Abacaxis appears, to which the translator called attention in parenthesis to the word pineapple. It is clear, however, that there is some inexplicable confusion on the part of Mr. Vasconcelos, because, as the paper published simultaneously the conference alluded to, and the map of the region to which it referred, it is not easy to imagine how the Portuguese geographer, on reading the reference to the headwaters crossed at the south of the parallel of twelve degrees, could understand that he was treating of an existing river all to the north of parallel seven degrees. In his care to place at the side of the word abacaxis the word pineapple, so as to indicate that one was the translation of the other, the communicator probably had the intention to save himself the responsibility of not having translated the English word for ananas. However, he forgot the most important thing, and this is that Mr. Roosevelt, in describing the march of the expedition, said, according to the resume of Mr. Vasconcellos himself, Before commencing to descend this river, that is to say the Duvida, he passed the headwaters of the Abacaxis, Pineapple. End quote. It is evident, therefore, that the explorer found himself at parallel twelve degrees south when he passed by the headwaters named Pineapple. How could one imagine, therefore, that those headwaters could correspond to a river whose course exists entirely to the north of parallel seven degrees? Nevertheless, it is under this confusion that Mr. Vasconcellos places himself to affirm that the river pointed out by Mr. Roosevelt is to be found, quote, in the map of Silva Pontes, 1798, known by the Portuguese who surveyed same, under the name of Carta de Nova Lusitania, end quote. And Mr. Vasconcelos categorically advances the following, quote, the abacaxis, pineapple, Directing itself towards the north and throwing its waters into the Furo of the Tupinamburanas, to which Silva Pontes gives also the name of Abacaxis, and which is nothing more or less than a narrow, natural channel, which joins the lower course of the Madeira to the Amazon, starting from a point above the Madeira with the Solimoes. Yes, the Abacaxis could have a course just as is mentioned above but the pineapple referred to by Mr. Roosevelt, rises south of the parallel 12 degrees in the highlands of the Parasis and flows in a northerly direction until it joins the Capitao Cardoso, an affluent of the right bank of the Roosevelt in the southern latitude approximating 10 degrees 59 minutes. Exactly as the ex-president of North America said, this river was unknown it did not appear on any map, and if we now know its course, and can trace it on the geographical charts, it is because there was somebody who, after the Roosevelt-Rondon expedition, descended same. We know too well the sacrifice which this cost us, because the badly translated pineapple is the river Lieutenant Marques de Sousa, the present name of the former Ananas, No less fortunate was Mr. Vasconcelos in contesting Mr. Roosevelt's affirmation that the rivers Duvida and Castana were not represented on the geographical charts, i.e. the higher portion and the mean portion of the course of the former Aripuaná. In order to support his contention, the perpetual secretary of the Geographical Society of Lisbon has recourse, quote, to an original photograph, end quote, of the already mentioned Carta de Nova Lusitania, and referring to it, he asserts that there one can see the Aripuaná running from south to north, and bending in the middle of its course to northwest, and running towards the right bank of the Madeira, between its tributaries Marará, he should have said Matará, and Kanumá. Now if we look at the chart in question, we will see without very much trouble that it parallels south five degrees, and to the left of the meridian of 320 degrees, as that of the island of Faro, a river island limited, to northwest by the small portion of the Madeira, to east by the Canuma, and to southwest by the matau and to south by a channel or furo joining these two latter rivers. In the interior of this island, whose latitudinal extension is not greater than three degrees, of which little more than two degrees are below parallel five degrees, one can see two lines carrying, one of them, the inscription Rio Aripuana, and the other, R. Aripuana. The line carrying the epigraph Rio Aripuana does not run from south to north, neither does it present any inflection which may cause it to abandon that direction and take up a northwesterly one. Because it is a continuous curve, the concavity of which is turned to southwest, having in its interior the R Aripuanã. The line in question, and with the epigraph rio Aripuanã, terminates in two short, fine lines, diverging very little from one another. The general appearance of the figure reminds one of some two-tailed worms of a very long body in relation to the two appendages. This is the river Aripuaná of the Carta Geográfica da Nova Lusitania, or América Portuguesa, and Estados do Brasil, drawn up in 1798 by a commission of Portuguese engineers, in which took part Antonio Pires da Silva Pontes Leme captain of the navy, an astronomer and geographer, of His Majesty the King of Portugal. This river does not exist in the same way the island in the interior of which it is made to appear does not exist. However, the most astonishing fact is the force of imagination which it must have cost the perpetual secretary of the geographical society of Lisbon to convince, first himself and afterwards his co-associates, that this Aripuaná was nothing more or less than the river mentioned by Mr. Roosevelt, a river which we see rising in latitude approximate to 12 degrees 30 minutes south, running frankly and constantly in a northerly direction, with small deflections to both sides of the meridian, 17 degrees 17 minutes 46 seconds west of Rio de Janeiro. And finally enters into the Madeira with a length of more than one thousand kilometres, of which the greater part, or let us say seven hundred ninety six thousand three hundred fifty metres, corresponds to the upper portion designated respectively by the names of Duvida and Castana. But besides all this, the courage of the perpetual secretary was not up to the colossal task, the difficulties of which he had proposed to overcome. It is true that to support the argument that the course of the river Roosevelt was first mapped in seventeen ninety eight by Silva Pontes, it would be necessary to have constructed a gigantic aqueduct above or below the canal which joins the Canuma to the Mataura, so that at parallel seven degrees it might afford a passage for the waters from the firm land of the island figured on the Carta de Nova Lusitania. Mr. Vasconcellos gave way before the tremendous effort which would be necessary to carry out such a task. He resolved, therefore, to concentrate the whole of his courage and ingenuity in obtaining another objective much more simple, that is, to shorten the course of the rivers. In order to obtain this result, it was only necessary to write the following words, The great length which Mr. Roosevelt attributes to them, Is not likely to be true. And the fact is that Mr. Vasconcelos could have been more categoric in this. Any one of us would have preferred to say In the Carta de Nova Lusitania, the course of the river transversed and described by Mr. Roosevelt does not exist and cannot exist. In the same way, this river does not exist in the Carta Política e Economica do Brasil. Published by the Massau Brasileira de Espansau Económica in Paris, 28 Boulevard des Italiens, and cannot exist unless one makes the bed of the new river cut the beds of the other rivers appearing on this chart, and cutting the region in various directions to southeast and to northwest. Saying this, however, would at the same time be the truth. And to confirm in all the points Mr. Roosevelt's communication to the Geographical Society of London. Therefore, Mr. Vasconcelos, in order not to depart in the slightest degree from his plan to demonstrate, quote, that the Portuguese undeniably, in South America, as in Africa and in Asia, maintain the priority of the important terrestrial and maritime discoveries to which others assumed the rights, end quote he thought it better to suppress the course of the former Aripuaná, without attending to the loss which would result from the fact to us Brazilians of our remaining deprived of a fluvial system of more than 700 kilometers, or else to oblige us to consider it unlikely. It is very painful, really, that the world must resign to the fatality of only accepting as likely, the regions, the mountains, the valleys, and the rivers directly discovered and surveyed by the Portuguese. But there is no other choice, for the perpetual secretary of the Geographical Society of Lisbon insists on this, in his determination to oppose in a fantastic struggle, the no less fantastic adversaries of the glories of Ricardo Franco, Silva Pontes, Lacerda e Almeida, Pedro Tejera, And many other daring explorers of the wilderness of our country in the colonial days. If the gallant champion of these strifes for the revindication of memories hitherto unattacked or unforgotten, but on the contrary respectfully cultivated and venerated, wished to attend a little to the real object of things and of the men of his days, he would certainly spare himself the uncomfortable position in which he has placed himself. In making such blind assertions as that contained in the following extract of his communication Quote, Of course, the courses of the two rivers, Mr. Vasconcellos refers to the Aripuana and the Abacaxis of the Carta de Nova Lusitania, are not marked on the map with the rigor which can be obtained with the modern methods and instruments, or with the details which a special map demands and the scale permits. A few tributaries may even have been omitted. Without insisting on the concession of lack of rigor resulting from the differences in the methods and instruments, a concession which in this fencing to which Mr. Vasconcellos has devoted himself corresponds to a feint, let us examine carefully the text of the last phrase A few tributaries may even have been omitted. By which he certainly means that in the Carta de Nova Lusitania are figured perhaps all the affluents of the river Aripuana and Abacaxis, and if they are not all there, there are very few missing. Nevertheless, in the chart under examination, the Aripuana and the Abacaxi do not possess one single affluent. There are only marked the hypothetic trunks of these rivers, ending in the two small branches to which I have referred above. Therefore, at the last thrust contained in the words, A few tributaries may even have been omitted, Mr. Vasconcelos receives the reply given by the Carta de Nova Lusitania itself quote, All the tributaries have been omitted. End quote and we register this reply without giving any further importance to it, because even if the Aripuana were on that map full of affluence, it would not for this reason alone be the river mapped by the Roosevelt-Rondon expedition, and constituted by the unified courses of the Duvida, discovered in 1909 by the Telegraph Lines Commission in the zone of the plateau of the Paresis where no Portuguese explorer ever penetrated, of the Castana, known and frequented by the rubber-tappers and Indians, but not described by the geographers, and of the lower Aripuaná. I am afraid I have dwelt too long on this matter, more than convenient, in the appreciation of the motives alleged by the Geographical Society of Lisbon to deprive the 1914 scientific expedition of the priority of the reconnaissance and description of the River Roosevelt. Let us, therefore, return to Lieutenant Perrinius's camp, in order to continue to follow the march of our illustrious guest up to the moment when he left Brazilian territory. Having terminated the ceremony of the inauguration of the indicative plate of the new denomination of the river, Mr. Roosevelt, together with the other members of the American Commission, and Mr. Cajacera, took to their canoes and directed themselves to a place where the scout Sedade de Manaus was at anchor. Lieutenants Lyra, Pirineus, and myself remained in the camp to effect the measurement of the rivers, and at night-time to make our astronomical observations necessary to calculate the latitude and time. On the following morning, the 28th of April, we proceeded on our voyage downstream, making the topographical survey up to the Matata waterfall. From there to the Madeira, this work had already been effected and terminated by Lieutenant Pirineus. Continuing to descend, we arrived before midday at the place where the Cidade de Manaus was, and there we met Mr. Roosevelt, who seemed to be in a better state of health. Three hours later, our ship commenced to go ahead, and navigating without stopping, we reached next morning the mouth of the Roosevelt, from which we immediately entered the Madeira. Descending this great fluvial artery, we saw on the morning of the twenty-ninth the city of Borba. In the afternoon we arrived at the Amazon Telegraph Company's station of Amarati. Finally, on the following morning, we arrived at the port of Manaus, where we went alongside the quay. On the quay were the representatives of the state government who were sent to receive Mr. Roosevelt and offer him their hospitality on shore, which he accepted. In spite of his sufferings from standing, our illustrious guest received the visits of the governor of the state, the municipal council, and other important people on the 1st of May, after having undergone a surgical operation performed by Mr. Cajazera, in the presence of the Director of Public Health Department of Manaus, and having presented through my intermediary his farewell to the Governor and to the General in Command of the Military Region, Mr. Roosevelt left on a merchant ship for the city of Pará. I, however, and the other members of the Brazilian Commission, Still remained in Manaus, where we received news of Captain Amilcar de Magahai's party, of which Miller, the naturalist of the American Commission, and Dr. Usebio Paulo de Oliveira and Dr. Enrique Reinsick, respectively, the geologist, the taxidermist of the Brazilian Commission, formed part. After having seen the departure of the other party that descended the former River Duvida, this party left for the telegraph station of Barao del Magasso on the river Sao de Floriano. Embarked in canoes, it descended this river and the Guy Paraná, at the mouth of which it transferred itself on board the ships employed in the regular navigation of the Madeira, and thence left for Manaus, where it arrived on the 6th of April. Besides the work of the naturalists, other work was done by the chief of this party for the topographical survey of the first of the rivers navigated and of the portion of the second one lying between the Iragapé Boa Vista and the Riachuelo. The principal occurrence recorded during this journey was the accident suffered by Captain Amalcar, whose canoe was sunk. Fortunately, there was no occasion to regret any loss of life, but only of the field-books containing the notes of the survey already effected, and some material. After the completion of all the work which had detained us in the capital of the State of Amazonas, we returned on board the scout Cidade de Montaus at 5.30 in the afternoon, still on that same day, the 1st of May, and followed in the way of the Dunstan, on which Mr. Roosevelt was embarked, in the hope of finding it at anchor in the port of Itacoa Tiara, where we knew it must call. But on the morning of the 2nd, on arriving at that port, we saw that the Dunstan had got ahead of us. We therefore proceeded down the Amazon, and only in the evening, already at the city of Obidos in the state of Pará, did we manage to catch her up. We left Obidos at noon on the 3rd of May, and at dawn on the 5th, we laid anchor in the port of Belem, and I went immediately on board the ship where Mr. Roosevelt was. At this place, the official visits and receptions of the state and federal authorities were repeated, and on this occasion, Mr. Roosevelt was invited to attend at a banquet, which the governor of Para was giving him on the following day. Finally, after this and other acts of the official welcome at Belem, the members of the Brazilian Commission went on board the Dunstan on the morning of the 7th of May to bid farewell, and to tender our best wishes for a pleasant voyage to Mr. Roosevelt, in whom each one of us recognized not only a statesman of worldwide note, a superior mind endowed with rare scientific and literary culture, a man of firm, resolute, and imperative character, an honest and most noble soul, but also, and above all, a thoroughly enthusiastic believer in the greatness and the beauty of the future of our country, and of our people, and a sincere and true friend of all those who had had the good fortune of sharing with him, at all times, the fatigue and the hardships suffered during the long and irksome march across the wilderness of the plateau of the Paresis, of the Huruena, and of the former Duvida." At eleven o'clock the Dunstan weighed anchor, and made for the ocean, bound for New York. We still followed her for a short space of time on board the scout Cidade de Manaus. And finally, through a midst of Saudades, which was already enveloping our hearts, we threw into space our last farewell and our cheers for the chief of the American Commission, and for the great republic whose glory it is to possess such a son. At eleven o'clock at night on that same day, the Sedade de Manaus returned to the capital of Amazonas, taking me on board. From that city I proceeded up the Madeira, and then along the Hamari, whence I should leave for the station of Barao del Magaso, in order to continue with my work of the construction of the telegraph line from Cuiaba to the Madeira. End of Section 13